Welcome back to the Words and Worship Podcast. This is your host, Alex. Thanks for tuning in. You know, I realize that this is a brand new podcast and this episode is actually going to be our very first real episode. So I wanted to take some time to tell you a little bit about who I am, how this podcast came to be, and what Words and Worship is all about. So this is going to be kind of like part testimony, part focused on the creative side of things. But really, in a broader perspective, it's going to be about finding your purpose. I got to take you guys way back, right from the beginning. Uh, I was born in the, the lovely state of New Jersey, uh, born and raised in the city of Elizabeth. Elizabeth is a town that's right next to Newark, Newark Airport, which a lot of people may be familiar with if you've ever been to New Jersey. But it's basically a, a short car ride away from New York City. I am the child of two immigrants. My parents are both from Cuba. Um, they actually knew each other as young kids because they attended the same schools in Bayamo, Cuba, which is where my grandparents uh, on my mother's side were both teachers. They both grew up in Cuba and spent most of their childhood there, but they eventually left right before communism took over. And both of their families made it to the U.S., and eventually my parents got reacquainted here in New Jersey, and they got married in 1970. You know, a lot of people say that they grew up in church, and I'm and I'm one of those people. Uh, my grandfather was a Baptist pastor. He was one of the founders of the Iglesia Bautista Hispanoamericana, which in English means the Spanish American Baptist Church in Elizabeth, New Jersey. And he became the lead pastor there shortly after it was founded in July of 1974. Um, my family was a church family. Both of my parents were faithful believers. They were always encouraging my brother and I to learn about God and to build our faith. I remember as a kid, you know, I would go to Sunday school every week and I learned all the Bible stories, the birth of Jesus, about David and Goliath, Moses parting the Red Sea, you know, all of those vital Christian stories. And, uh, you know, when I eventually got older, uh, youth group played a huge role in helping shape who I would become as a teen and even a young adult. I remember joining the youth group as soon as I was old enough to. Um, I think I was like any kid in their early teens. I was just really interested in building a friend circle and having fun and socializing with friends and playing games and hanging out and all that stuff. You know, I joined the youth group at 14 years old and um, I joined and eventually I helped lead the youth group. I used to teach classes. I made a lot of strong friendships. And I got to say, I lived a very, very cool youth group experience through those years and, you know, even into my early adulthood. And outside of church, I was lucky enough to live a pretty normal teenage life. <laughs> I had friends and, you know, I was actually really lucky to find the love of my life at a, at a pretty early age, at the tender age of 16. And I was uh, even luckier because she joined me in the church life. 
And I just want to shine a light on that for a moment because I feel really blessed. You know, the Bible warns us of the dangers of believers building relationships with non-believers. And not that I was like strictly looking for a Christian girlfriend at the time. You know, I just wanted to find somebody that I liked and be happy if they liked me back, you know. But now as an adult, I can recognize that the relationship that I have with my now wife was really God's blessing. And this topic might have to be its own future episode, but 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Now, I got to keep it real. I can't really go ahead and say that I was the light and she definitely wasn't the darkness, you know, so we were still finding ourselves as young, as young kids, uh, you know, but, you know, the, the idea of finding a partner who was a believer wasn't all that important to me at that time. And, you know, that's why I say that I'm blessed because being unequally yoked in relationships is such a common way that many people get pulled away from God. You know, they find someone who doesn't have the same morals as them, the same ethics as them, the same beliefs, and they sacrifice themselves and what they stand for to sort of follow that person. You know, that happens in so many people's relationships, you know, but I really was blessed because I found someone who not only embraced my faith, but really made it their own. So I really got to send a, a very special shout out to my wifey, Veronica. I love you, mama. So right around the same time that I met and was building a relationship with what would be my future wife, I also discovered another passion that would stay with me through the rest of my life. And that passion was graffiti art. So in order to tell you the story of how I fell in love with graffiti art, I really do got to like take you way back to like the, the early 80s. You know, so as a very young kid, I always liked to draw. Um, I remember being artistic and really liking to be creative at a very young age, as early as like first, second grade. And my teachers telling me like, wow, that's really nice. So I guess uh, I, you could say I was sort of born with a little bit of natural talent. And another really important aspect of my youth was that I discovered my love for hip hop. You know, I loved the music and the beats and the rapping and the rhyming and especially loved all of the break dancing. You know, it was such a fresh young movement. And, you know, I felt a, clo a real closeness to hip hop, which was just starting to bloom, you know, in New York City in the early 80s. And, you know, I grew up not far from that, just on the other side of the Hudson River, about 30 minutes away. I remember I, I really wanted to be a break dancer, you know. I had on my fat laces, on my sneakers. I had a an Adidas track suit, <laughs> and uh, you know, all my hip hop heads that sort of are '80s babies will remember that there were sort of like two pivotal movies that came out during that time that really, really played a big role in making me love hip hop, and those were. Breaking and Breaking to Electric Boogaloo, <laughs> which is essentially like a feel good movie about these two dancers that sort of, you know, fight the status quo to be accepted in the uh, in the world of dance and do good things for their community. Uh, you know, at the same time, you know, uh, you know, I remember my brother having a, a vinyl album that because he was into breakdancing as well and the the album was just called breakdance and on the cover of it was these like uh three guys that were you know doing the different breakdance moves like silhouettes of them and one of the things that really 
caught my eye about this album cover was they would like you didn't see the people it was actually just their shadows reflected on a a brick wall and the brick wall was covered in graffiti and i just remember like seeing all the names tagged up on the wall it was just an illustration it wasn't even real but i just remember thinking to myself man that's so cool you know and i loved the aesthetic of the graffiti um on that album cover uh you know i was still really young though that was probably like before i was 10 you know, but I grew up in a pretty urban environment. Elizabeth is very much a city and I would see graffiti all around my neighborhood. Uh, I always loved the aesthetic of it, the colors and the style and even the challenge of like learning how to decipher the letters. You know, one particular aspect that I liked was the repetition, you know, in the graffiti world that's known as getting up. You know, you would see a person's name all over a town, everywhere you went. There they were. They were here. They were there. They were everywhere. There was something kind of exciting about that. And, you know, the more you get up, the more you put your name on different surfaces, the more notoriety you get within that community, right? So a lot of graffiti writers will tell you that a big part of why they do what they do is about getting fame, you know, fame amongst the inner circle of other graffiti writers to like earn the respect and admiration from the people who do the same kind of work that you do when who understand the movement you know so i really loved the artwork and i would do it all the time in my notepads and you know but i never really attempted to take it any more seriously than that that was until i met brian and brian was a kid in one of my art classes and i got to meet him and i can see right away that this kid was super talented I mean, he was a, a real graffiti artist. Uh, I would see his sketches and he showed me some photos of stuff he had done. And I was just, you know, in envy. I was like, man, this guy's <laughs> the real deal. Super talented. And, and, and we hit it off. We got along great. He, um, to this day, Brian is actually one of the very few people I still actually have a real relationship from high school. <laughs> um, but he and I, um, hit it off and he basically took me under his wing. He taught me all about graffiti what real graffiti was he taught me about style he was a huge inspiration and he's actually the very first person to embolden me enough to actually pick up a real spray can and try to go painting on, a, on an actual wall so not just in sketchbooks and man uh you know once i did <laughs> i was totally hooked you know there's something about the unforgiving nature of using a spray can to create art that is totally different from every other medium you know the scale of it seeing your vision come to life in a way that's larger than life um getting your art to pop off of a wall instead of just another page in your sketchbook you know even the smell of it <laughs> the whole thing had a a big rush to it and you know let me be clear you know the very first time that that we went out and did a wall i'm not gonna lie to you guys it was definitely illegal <laughs> Uh, you know, it was a wall that was near our high school that got a lot of visibility as kids were walking to school every day because um, it could be seen off the highway. It could be seen off the street. Um, it was basically a retainer wall along the side of a river. And, um, you know, I'm not actually sure what I was doing there because that wall was actually known as the Elizabeth Wall of Fame. Uh, so it was essentially supposed to be for like the best graffiti artists, the really good ones, at least. And uh, definitely not where a newcomer like me should have been painting <laughs> for, the, for their very first time. But, you know, I guess go big or go home. 
Um, you know, Brian took me to that wall and, and we had a great time. We went back a few other times and I started to fall in love with graffiti, you know, from the street writing and, you know, working on leveling up my skills and being able to create work that was more complex and trying to hit other walls and other spaces, you know, freight trains, trucks, you know, whatever I could find, uh, I would paint, <laughs> you know, interestingly enough, though, one of the things that I never painted on and most graffiti artists never paint on was houses, people's personal houses or churches. You know, it's funny because even graffiti has sort of unspoken rules and, you know, there's no hitting homes, no hitting churches, unless you're like a real jerk and you just don't care. Um, and that seems kind of twisted to me now because I was following this, you know, kind of unsaid code of the streets, but I was so consumed by my love for this art form that I was somehow able to convince myself that it wasn't that bad that you know writing on uh, a wall under a bridge was somehow okay versus you know uh, writing on on the church or you know writing on a uh, on a, a wall for a, a a corporate business is okay it's not like i'm writing on someone's home you know i want to stop and focus on that for a moment you know because this is like kind of dangerous territory now that i think about it graffiti was in many ways kind of like an, an idol of mine. And I was putting my passion for graffiti above what I knew in my heart was wrong in God's eyes. I was still breaking the law. And somehow I'm justifying it because it's not like I was stealing and robbing people. I was doing art, you know, I'm, maybe it's not that bad of a sin. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was a young kid. I was immature, didn't have the the, the spiritual growth and understanding that I have now. But the same thing applies to everybody, even as adults. You know, when we put something before God, it's so easy to let our minds convince us of the devil's lies, lies that, you know, make sin feel less of an error, less of a, less of a, of a, of a wrongdoing. And it's really all just a plot from the devil to separate us from God. You know, but the Bible tells us, and it's pretty clear on this, you know, first John uh, chapter one, verse six says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. And a lot of people, a lot of people, including myself, have lived that way where we love God. We've had some sort of relationship with God, but we get pulled away and we get pulled into the world and we get pulled into sin and we're not ready to give it up. You know, we just want to hold on or we want to find some sort of compromise. We find we want to find a middle ground and there is no middle ground. You know, you're either in the light or you're in the dark. There's no, there's no gray. You know, I think it's Revelations 3 that says, I will spit you out of my mouth because you're only warm and not hot or cold. You know, that's exactly what I was doing. I was lying to myself. Um, ignoring what I knew was wrong and doing what I wanted and what I was really enjoying. In my mind, graffiti and my spirituality were like very separate things. You know, I didn't see the intersection of them too. And that's like kind of crazy to me because, you know, I'm still who I am. I'm a kid that grew up in church. I'm the, the grandson of a pastor. And, you know, here I am doing uh, illegal graffiti art and uh, I'm okay with it. 
you know, my mind <laughs> just sort of let, had two tracks, I guess. And, uh, you know, clearly I was favoring the side that allowed me to do what I wanted to do. And I don't want to sound like I'm trying to justify it or anything, but, you know, what I loved about graffiti more than anything was like the really complex work, the, the stuff that took hours and hours to do. And, you know, I mean, and because of that, I spent most of my time painting on surfaces on pla in places that were intentionally out of sight. So that meant I spent a lot of time on railroad tracks um, for sound barrier walls or underneath bridges, some tunnels, you know, places where I can be left alone to really create and do something really big and beautiful. And I always favored that side of graffiti more than writing on the streets or writing on buildings or even trucks. You know, I did tag the streets. I'm not going to lie, but you know, I, I only did that for a short time. I, my main focus was doing something really complex and big and bold. What what's known in the graffiti world as pieces, or if you do it exceptionally well, it's known as a masterpiece or, or a burner burner, meaning it's like, it's hot, it's, it's fresh, you know? So <laughs> I was much more interested in, in creating burners than catching tags. Unfortunately, it doesn't matter where you do it or why you want to do it. It's still legal at the end of the day. So um, I spent my time running from business owners, running from train conductors, running from the police, but I kept going and I, you know, actually put in a lot of work over the coming years throughout, you know, the second half of high school into college. And honestly, even till today, I'm still a graffiti writer at heart. But back then I really only had one purpose. That was to get my name up, to uh, continue to evolve and elevate as a graffiti writer to evolve my style, my letter styles, to put my name in as many places as I can. And, you know, I was even getting like legal work. Um, at one time I did what was then the biggest mural in my hometown, uh, while still being one of the most prolific, uh, graffiti writers <laughs> in the neighborhood at that time. Um, I was getting commission work. I was doing storefronts for businesses or, you know, just design work for people. Um, so I was, you know, changing, I was evolving and I was just really, really into it. And, uh, and it makes me think about, uh, this book that I read once called Outliers by uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Um, awesome author. He's written a bunch of really compelling books, but in the Outliers book, he's got a chapter where he talks about the 10,000 hour rule. And what that is basically is uh, sort of a, I guess a theory that people who are really, really like masters of their craft it takes a tremendous amount of practice and practice and practice for weeks and months and years. And, you know, it's stated that people who sort of work at something for approximately 10,000 hours are able to transition from an amateur into a master. And, you know, I spent well over <laughs> 10,000 hours doing graffiti over the years, probably hundreds of thousands of hours, to be honest. And, uh, you know, so I, yeah, I learned a lot. I really sort of mastered the tools, a lot of different tools and my style changed a lot. And, you know, I, I got to put work in gallery shows and even museum shows over the years. And so graffiti's done me some good. It's made me some money. I did a lot of commercial work as well. Um, back then though, this is the early years, <laughs> the wonder years. Uh, you know, so I was just learning how to get up and everything was illegal for the most part back then. 
Um, so <clears throat> I spent years and years trying to like build up my skill and try to get to an, an elite level, really practicing and mastering my craft. Um, and you know, learning how to paint at different styles, learning how to paint fast. <laughs> As the years went on, there was definitely a few factors that made me slow down with the illegal work. And some of those factors were, uh, first of all, my arrest. <laughs> I got arrested while I was in college and um, didn't have to do any, you know, like time in prison or anything like that. I just had to pay a pretty steep fine, which for a college student was pretty bad and had it on my record for a little while. And so that definitely put a little pause into my, into my step. Um, you know, I was getting older too. I mean, I, I started to focus on my studies and college and the beginning of my career in graphic design. And, you know, I actually, you know, was still painting, but I was very much all about, you know, getting internships and getting opportunities to work at a cool company when I graduated from university. Um, so that slowed it down and I actually got married to um, my lovely wife, um, a little bit after I graduated and, you know, just a few short years later we had kids. So I was growing up, I was changing from a, a boy to a man and, um, that definitely slowed down and made me realize, all right, there's things out there that are much more important than, um, writing graffiti illegally running around and <laughs> trying to run away from cops. I was getting too old for that for sure and uh that that's crazy for me to even say out loud right now because obviously my family my wife my kids my career all great reasons to like not be a criminal um but what about god <laughs> how was i living so long and being okay with risking things that i shouldn't have been risking you know and what could I have done if that energy was spent in a much better place? And there was, there was definitely things going on in my life during that time that made me focus on church less, made me focus on God less. I was, um, too wrapped up in my own desires, too wrapped up in what I wanted to do with my life and not really thinking about serving others. Um, not thinking about how I can serve in my church or how I can even grow my own spirituality and my own faith to, to be a, a true man of God. So graffiti consumed, you know, my late youth, my early adulthood. And throughout all that time, I was still in church. I was with God. And the older I got, the more I felt a calling that there was more to this than just writing my name on every wall that I could. I mean, I've written my name, the graffiti name is Elon. I've written my names on like thousands of walls and it was just putting my name everywhere. And I, you know, I always had this feeling in my heart of this is only serving me, you know, and I know what I can do. I know <clears throat> that God's given me this talent. And what if, you know, what if I just used it for him? What can I accomplish? What kind of impact could I possibly have? And I reached a point where I just realized, you know, there's more, you know? So I started to take these little baby steps of trying to step away from the traditional graffiti writing and to do stuff that first had a more, a broader appeal, right? So 
not everyone cares about the styling of the name Elon or my graffiti letters, but if the message behind it was more positive, something that people can relate to a little bit more, then that work would probably be more interesting to the community. And I want to stop for a minute and just kind of frame that for you because I started writing graffiti in 1993 and it took about 25 years for me to really do work that I aspired to have deeper meaning behind. I was doing a ton of just graffiti writing for my own pleasure. I was doing commercial work for the money. I enjoyed the community and sort of the accolades I would get from people who liked my work, but that was mainly because it was probably feeding it into my pride. So all of this was really just serving me, you know, it was serving my interests, my desires, my dreams, and the things that I wanted to accomplish. It, it was all pretty selfish. Um, and, you know, and what of my spirituality? You know, I, I, you haven't heard me touch much on that. I've been just talking about graffiti. And during that time, I was still going to church and I was still following God, obviously not as much as closely as I should have been and not with as much intent and as much surrender as I should have had in my heart. And I can honestly say that I think God has sort of shielded me in a lot of ways because one another thing that I haven't mentioned is really just how dangerous the world of graffiti can be. Um, obviously, it's an illegal activity, and that alone can get you in a lot of trouble. I've seen friends that were arrested, and I've had friends that were beat up by the police, beat up by business owners, shot at. Uh, graffiti writers themselves have a lot of community, but there's also a lot of fighting, even to the point of deep violence, gang activities. Um, and, you know, when all of that is not looming over you, you're in dangerous places. You know, you're in places where, you know, you can be attacked easily and no one would know. You're on the railroad tracks, you know, with trains zipping by you. You're putting yourself at a lot of risk. And through all of that, I was able to stay safe. So I went from my teen years where I was doing a lot of illegal work to my early adulthood where I started to do less illegal work, started to grow a family and be just still be consumed by doing work that served my own interests um, to a little bit later in life when I started to realize you've got to do something more here, Alex. It's not just about what you want and what you like and what you want to do. So it was only until recent years that I started to have this idea of using my talent and the time for something other than my own purposes and really thinking about how I can use those to serve the Lord, to serve my Savior. And, you know, I don't take it lightly and, and I shouldn't because it's, it's really a command from God. He tells us pretty clearly all over the Bible to use our gifts for him. James 1.17 tells us every good and perfect gift is from above. First Peter 4.10 tells us each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I mean, it was so obvious. <laughs> God has clearly given me the direction, all the direction that I need on why I have this gift or this talent. You know, obviously I had a passion for it. So again, back to the question I asked earlier, if I had put all that talent and passion and time 
25, 30 years worth of time into serving the Lord, what kind of impact could I have had? I would be lying if I said I didn't have a lot of regret in my heart, some guilt about feeling like I just lost a lot of opportunities there, opportunities for myself to be a better man, to be a better Christian, to be a better follower, but to be a better servant as well, to, to really impact the, those around me. You know, so I have to question why, you know, I have to ask myself, why did it take so long for me to come to this revelation? I mean, I started writing graffiti in my teens and I'm now in my mid forties. You know, why did it take so long to sort of figure out something that should have been very easy to understand? And there's a lot of answers for that. You know, it's definitely a lack of maturity, both personal and spiritual, laziness, pride, idolatry, all kinds of things, things I'm not proud of. But I will say one thing that I am proud of is that my story changed. And the reason my story changed is because in April of 2020, just about a month after the United States crumbled to COVID, I launched what would be my life's passion project, and that is words and worship. And let's be honest here, right? COVID started a lot of passion projects out there. <laughs> you know, when the world is basically subject to just staying in their home and staying out of public, people find themselves with a lot of time on their hands. And when you have a lot of time on your hands, uh, either very dangerous things can happen or really great things can happen. In my case, I would say that my talent figured out where it needs to be used. And the idea behind Words in Worship, I got to say, was pretty humble. It was just about trying to find a way to redirect that creative energy into something that had more purpose. But what I didn't realize at the time when I started was that it would totally transform my spirituality. It really has brought me closer to God in more ways than I've ever experienced. Um, you know, obviously a big part of it was finding inspiration for this new artwork that I wanted to create. And that inspiration is coming from the Bible. That inspiration comes from me picking up the Bible more frequently, more consistently than I ever have before. And I'm not just reading to find like a cool quote that I can draw and throw online. You know, I'm reading to find a deeper meaning. I'm reeling to hear how God wants to speak to me about it. And I'm really, truly looking for that divine inspiration because it's not just about the artwork that I create, it's the meaning behind it as well, and how that can touch someone's heart. And to really get to that point, you got to break past the surface of things. The artwork is just, you know, a vehicle to, to sort of pique your interest, but it's really about God's message behind it. And this is really where the story changes to go way beyond words and worship. This is now really just about building my own faith, building stronger spiritual strength, building a closer relationship with God. Because as I started to read the Bible, and obviously I'm praying every day as well, um, I'm asking God for guidance, I'm building true relational experiences with God, with Jesus, in a way that I had never done and when you do that, when you step closer to God and you seek his word and you truly seek it from your heart, God is going to give it to you. God's going to give you everything that you want and everything that you ask for in abundance. You know, so he's speaking to me. He's 
given me wisdom. He's given me insight. He's given me revelations. I can see signs of, of his guidance and his word in, you know, coincidences and dreams and, and things that I realize that that's not, that's not karma. That's not coincidence. This is God telling me something. And I've, can only say that I've experienced that because of how close I've grown to him. And the key to that really is two things, prayer, constant, consistent, open, relational prayer, and reading my Bible, getting into the word, seeking that spiritual guidance from him. Those two things, along with, you know, the tremendous support of my family and the tremendous support of a great church, but those two keys, prayer and Bible, will really have to be at the core of every believer because the church alone doesn't give you that. Um, your family alone can't give you that. You can only get that from seeking that directly with God. And he speaks to us through prayer and through the Bible very clearly. And so one of the things that I've realized now in retrospect is that graffiti itself the art form is not bad. Graffiti, the activity, the illegal side of it, the vandalism, all of that is is bad, obviously. But the art form of graffiti is not bad. And, you know, this episode isn't called Graffiti or Gospel. It's called Graffiti to Gospel because I realize that I can still use my love, my passion, my sort of fascination with designing letters and the creativity of all of everything that I put into graffiti, but, but don't use it to self-serve. Don't use it to sort of achieve, you know, fame from people who, who, you know, are going to just feed into my ego. Don't use it to try to make money. Um, use that talent to serve your God, your Lord, and to serve the world, serve other peoples around me who, who like that art form, you know, and make, maybe could be touched by using that, skill to speak to them about God. And that really is what Words of Worship is all about. I still have a love of hip hop. I still have a fascination with designing letters and typography. And now I'm just taking that talent, that skill, my experience, and I'm putting all of that artistic effort into really driving people to God's word, to know him, and just to spread the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to anyone who can encounter my work. And personally, I, I, got, I really have to say I have a heart for the youth, um, to those that are still coming into their spiritual strength and trying to find themselves at the same time, figuring out who they're going to be as you know an adult when they grow up, coming into their ideals. This is particularly important to me because I'm a father. I have two teenage kids, and I realize that living into your faith today is totally different than when I grew up. You know, I learned about God from Sunday school and going to church and reading the Bible, but the kids nowadays, they learn in a lot of different ways. I mean, I didn't have social media growing up. I didn't have the internet till I was in my late teens. So, all of the media that's available to kids nowadays has totally changed every facet of their life, how they communicate, how they think, how they live. Their livelihood is totally integrated with the technologies that are available to them. And social media is a huge part of that. 
You know, kids today aren't learning about God and Jesus strictly in Sunday school or not even just in youth group or going to church. They're getting it on social media. For some kids, that might be their only source of learning about God. So we really need to connect with them directly wherever they are. And so here I am. Words of Worship is now almost three years old at this point, and I'm really loving the di- the direction that God has been pushing me in. I feel more inspired than ever to share his word. Um, I've had some great interactions with people online and social media, people who have become you know, aware of the work that I'm creating and have said that they really like it or appreciate it or that it's spoken to him in certain ways. I'm trying to use it as a platform to really uh, get his word out, to really share the love that Jesus has for all of us. And I'm just here for it. I'm here to go wherever God leads me, wherever he guides me to go. That's where we're going to go. And, you know, hopefully that means a lot of great work, a lot more art and design that I hope can serve others and teach others about his love. And God's even pushing me in beyond my boundaries into new creative outlets. This podcast is one of them. And there it is, folks. That's the story of how I went from graffiti to gospel. It's a story that spanned a good portion of my life, about 30 years. And as I think back on this story, I have some regrets, as I mentioned, but I have a lot of hope and a lot of love. Because I am astonished and amazed and forever grateful, eternally grateful, that for as many times as I tried to steer my life and my work in the direction that I wanted it to go, God finally got me to the point where I realized where it needs to go. And this story really makes me think of one of my favorite verses. It's found in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21, and it reads, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And that's my story, a thousand percent. The plans in my heart ruled my life for way too long, but at the end, the Lord's purpose for me prevailed. So no matter where you are in your personal story, if you've found the purpose that you feel God has called you to, or if you're still looking for it, the best piece of advice I can give you is to just step closer to God and find his voice, build that relationship. And and once you do, just let God lead. He's going to do amazing things. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I'm so happy to be able to share my story with you, and I hope that this resonates with you all. Thanks again for tuning into the podcast. Thanks for the support. God bless you all. See you next time. Bye. Words and worship. Words and worship. Words and worship. Words and worship. Words and worship.